Hello and welcome to E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. All right, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today, I want to introduce you to a homeowner that I've worked with, actually done several projects with, and uh, several people have requested recently to do another homeowner interview. So I wanted to talk a little bit about renovations today. Uh, Since that comes up as well, we do both new construction and renovations. So I thought it would be worthwhile to talk to Mia, uh, a homeowner that we've done a couple of projects with about the pros and cons maybe of doing a renovation project versus building new. So hi, Mia. Welcome to the show. Hey, Emily. Thanks for having me. So a couple years ago, uh, Mia and her husband decided to take the beautiful timber frame that they own and first do a whole energy audit on the house. We did a whole energy retrofit for you guys, um, along with adding a dormer in the second story what was the sort of the guiding factor that made you guys decide to do an energy upgrade to your existing house? Yeah, you know, it, it was just the realization of how cold our house actually was. When, um, when we had bought the house, it's, it was built in the 80s and we purchased it, you know, in early 2000s. And um, we had realized that the previous homeowner had gone through a number of different uh, ways to heat the home everything from a wood stove to um, baseboards, elect, some was electric heat, some was gas. And so it was all sort of hodgepodge together. And so, uh, you know, there were definitely areas in the house that f- had that feeling of being very cold. Um, and so that the comfort level just wasn't there. And, and we knew that it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that it just needed to be better insulated. Um, and so that really was... Um, the driving force, you know, save a little money, um, just be more efficient and uh, find a a better way to do things, right? Yeah. So um, you had a lot of great things going for you. One, timber frames are are beautiful. So you had a a lot of open exposed woodwork, but as was traditional in a timber frame, you also had boards on the ceiling, ceiling, um, which one leads to a lot of air infiltration and air leakage um, for energy and comfort reasons, but it also makes the space really dark. So that was one of the things that we tried to do was to bring more light in because um, your house ideally actually faces south, um, which was fantastic as far as you know future uh, energy upgrades, maybe if you want to do solar in the future, uh, but also the light that comes into the space. But you had these huge windows on the front of your house and the light didn't really penetrate through to the backside because everything was really dark. So was that one of the leading factors to that also kind of made you decide to renovate? Absolutely. And, and because of those large windows, um, the, the baseboards, where the baseboards were placed were uh, in conjunction with all of our large windows. So, you know, the, the efficiency of the heating was just, it, it just wasn't there. And, and so you, you put on top of it, we had a lot of trees, we ended up getting those removed. Um, you know, we had a lot of the, that dark wood. Um, so there were all sorts of, of combination of things that, that just made the house feel um, like it needed an upgrade. Yeah. So um, 
another thing that you, I mean, you mentioned that you had some trees removed. The backside of your property is still really wooded. You had the south side trees removed. Um, and now over the last couple of years, you've created a, a lovely little farmstead, uh, definitely the edible landscape, I would say, of the front yard, which has had a huge impact both on the amount of sunlight that you can get into your house, but also just what you've done with your with your property, which I think led a little bit towards um, then doing the first floor renovation, which is what we did in the latest project. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about why you decided to kind of reconfigure the first floor. Um, because of the sink. <laughs> that the running joke in my house is that we, we completely gutted the first floor because my husband didn't like the corner sink that we had. <laughs> um, but, it, but in reality, just the flow of the house um, wasn't ideal for how how we use the space and so you know was very grateful for for you and your patients i think we went through i don't know nine different uh edits you know so i think we had cut, gone and come back to it a couple different times with um some different ideas on how we could really utilize the space and it took us a while to get to a a, a design that really worked for us aesthetically as well as um uh, realistically, you know, so w without changing the footprint immensely, uh, you know, without doing a, a tremendous addition, we really kind of leveraged what we had, but made it a lot more, um, just make a lot more sense. Uh, and so it, it was a difficult process because I think it's when you, especially when you're doing a renovation, you know what you have, but you don't necessarily see the potential and, and even if you see it on a drawing it's hard to um, make that vision real and and I would say that was one of the things that that both my husband and I really struggled with where you know we liked the idea of something but would it really work out in the space and and so um, some of the things that that you uh, <laughs> obliged us was you know putting thing um, tape on the floor to kind of show where things would be here's where your your new island is going to be this is um, you know, where, you know, the, the length of the wall that we're going to take down for the three season room. Uh, it just kind of made the design that we were thinking about come more real life and, and help us kind of figure out what it is we liked and what we didn't like and, and what we needed to change. Yeah, that was actually a lot of fun. We picked up your couch and moved it like six <laughs> times until uh, we sort of decided, okay, yeah, actually this does work and you can walk around this post and if this is where the island is. And so it's both the the good and the bad part of doing a renovation project, which is you know what you have. And so in some ways you've become accustomed to that. So it's really hard to see what you could do with that space you know, because you're so used to it the way it is. It's also, I think, um, when people buy an existing house and they move in, they have a tendency to put things the same place that they were when they bought it. So wherever the previous owner had, you know, maybe located the the couch or the bed in a room or something until you, you've lived there for long enough and you're like, this doesn't work at all. And, he, yeah. and you move things around. But the downside or the upside to that is you do already have a finished space. And so one of the hardest things, especially in new construction, is people understanding that 2D plan, like you said, without having a space to stand in. So um, it's fun, I think, to reconfigure existing spaces. You actually had plenty of space 
just not laid out in the way that you use it. You know, and some people use their kitchen more, some people use their living room more. And so you had a big living room and a small kitchen. Yeah. But realistically speaking, you spend more time in the kitchen. So you needed a bigger kitchen, a slightly smaller area for, for living yeah. space. And then we, you know, opened it up to a three season room that you had made that part of the interior of the structure. So now you have additional space that, that works better. Cause that was a room that was really underutilized in the old layout the way yeah. that it was. Um, so it's fun to do renovation projects. Um, what do you wish you would have known before you started? Um, well, I guess the, the one piece of advice that, that you had given that I thought was very helpful was uh, to not look at it, to, to not try to provide the answer to understand what you want from it, right? So we had said to you, we want a way to entertain um, because our old kitchen, anytime friends came over, they were standing in front of the refrigerator while I was cutting vegetables with my back to them. You know, we had this weird um, island that kind of jutted out and, and really um, made the walkway between the, the living room and the kitchen really narrow. And so people would be in the kitchen with me and, and I'd basically be tripping over them as I was making a drink or, you know, chopping vegetables or, or what have you. And so instead of saying, oh, well, I want an island and I want this and I want that, it was more, I want to be able to <clears throat> entertain my friends in a way that's more comfortable. And so coming to it from that perspective and saying, okay, well, you know, the sky's the limit. Like, I'm not even going to tell you where I want things. You tell me how we can achieve that goal in a way that's effective. And then you had come, you had given me a couple different plans, right? And we had sort of the first go around, we were hemming and hawing and we weren't really sure. And, and it was okay that we, we didn't jump on it, right? So that, I guess that would be another thing that I would say, don't feel like you have to go with the first option that you're given. Um, you know, even if you're given three options and it still doesn't sit right with you, you know, let it sink in, you know, give yourself a month or two to, to sort of think about it and, you know, keep the plans up and, you know, try to visualize what's going on. And, and it, it did take us a couple times and, and we absolutely love the end product. And so it was worth it in the end for sure. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that is hard when we talk to people, we want a six month design process and they sort of wonder like, well, you know, why, why does it take six months to do that? And part of it is you have to have space and time to think about it. And then you have to have that feed, give that feedback back to your architect, your design team, your builder team, and give them time to think about it and come up with a viable solution that works for you. So really that's an important detail for people to understand is it takes time to really figure out what is the best solution. And I'm maybe not the traditional architect in the sense that a lot of people are, is I don't live here, you live here. So it has to work for you. It doesn't matter what works for my husband and I, you know, it matters what works for you and your husband and your kid and your dogs and your, you know, however your entertainment, like you entertain a lot or you don't entertain a lot. Everybody uses their house differently. And so it's really important that the homeowner express how they use the space. Not necessarily like I want my refrigerator right here. I mean, if there's a really valid reason why you want your refrigerator right there, then yes. But how you use that space, like I don't want somebody standing in front of the refrigerator when I'm trying to cook because that's just, you know, so it's like, okay, great. Well, now the refrigerator needs to be in X, Y, or Z location so that 
they're not in the middle of wherever you're cooking or prepping the space. And so you start to just talk through how you think and feel and use your space versus the nut, you know, everybody wants to talk like nuts and bolts and, you know, the walls and like, I need this and I need that. And it's like, no, tell me how you want to feel or be in the space. And that really leads it to, to be a project that works in the long run, hopefully, hopefully in the end, right? That the, the client and the architect and the builder are all happy in the end. That's, that's the sign of a, of a good project uh, for sure. Um, And the other thing that comes to mind, so um, you've been helping me out a little bit with project management because you've done, um, you've done this a couple of times for your own house, but I would say one of the other pearls of wisdom that I would give people uh, is that there are about a million decisions that have to be made. And after the fun sort of layout of the floor plan, there's a lot of stuff that's a lot less fun (laughs) that has to be done. So um, you did a lot of that on your own as part of your project. So um, an architecture project can go one of three ways. Uh, One would be, you know, here's your floor plans, figure it out with your builder. One would be, okay, we've we've narrowed down a lot more of these choices, but you need to pick the colors and finishes. And then the other one would be that the architect goes with you to the tile shop, goes with you to the, to the kitchen designer or custom designs a kitchen for you. Um, and you were sort of in the, in the middle group where we sort of narrowed down what you were going to do, but then you held the spreadsheet that said, these are all the decisions that we've made. Yeah. What made that go easier for you as you were kind of sourcing? Um, you know, going online a lot, Pinterest, definitely, uh, you know, really getting the idea of what my style is. And, um, and I think a lot of folks run into this where my style is a bit different than my husband's. And so how do you take, you know, two styles that may be very different, um, and, and merge them together in a cohesive way? Um, you know, and, and so it's a lot of discussion. It's a lot of, uh, you know, taking pictures and saying, oh, you know, do I like this? What do I like about this? Do I like the color? Do I like the style? You know, what, what is it? Um, and then just having the time and taking the time to, to work with some of the partners, you know, so uh, going to FW Web, uh, who, who has a lot of um, fixtures and back items, right? You know, looking at it and actually being able to touch and feel and see what they look like and get a sense of, of what you like and, and what options are out there because, you know, you go in and there are just walls of faucets for you to choose from. And so it can be really overwhelming. So if you go there with, okay, I kind of like these these pictures on Pinterest, now let me see the, the whole scope. It, it d- makes it a little less intimidating to know, okay, I'm going to narrow it down or take a, a price point, right? I really need to stay within this budget. Um, because you can get really wild and, and, you know, obviously if you're working with a consultant or something, they're going to want to upsell you everything. And so being able to say, no, you know, I'm going to stick with American standard or I'm going to stick with a particular brand. I, you know, this is my, my price point. This is what I want to spend for, um, a vanity or, or whatever it is. It, it definitely helps with the conversation. And so, um, you know, doing that research ahead of time can can definitely help the selection go a lot easier. And then a lot of those consultants are free, right? And you know, they work at the store, and uh, they can they get really excited, and they can 
offer opinions, again, take that with a grain of salt. Don't feel pressured into something that maybe isn't your style. But um, you know, being able to kind of talk through the the ideas with folks and sort of take some of the samples home and and put them on the floor to see what they look like, um, and just being being willing to know that you're invested, right? This is something you're going to have to live with for many many years. I think you know the the running um, estimate is that most people live in their house on an average of 13 years. So do you really want to look at this tile for 13 years or is it going to be something that's going to go out of style next year and you're going to want to spend another hundred thousand to renovate? You know, it's, it's those kinds of things. Um, knowing the investment that you're making during the project is going to uh, really provide you with that lasting satisfaction I think is, is really important. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a list maker, I'm a, an, a spreadsheet user, you know, I, I do analytics. And so, you know, that's kind of the area, uh, my sweet spot, right. And so uh, really getting just Googling, um, you know, uh, items, free templates on, on Google, you can find some really good um, starting points. And then you can say, oh, I, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that, I need to add those things on there. Because if you have that list, you can cross things off as you're going through it and saying, yep, I purchased my you know, farmhouse sink and I, need, I still need to figure out what um, you know, handles and stuff I'm going to use. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, you said lots of really fantastic <laughs> things in there. Um, and then to touch on uh, from working backwards is, it also, if you have a spreadsheet or you're keeping track of that, gives you the ability, if you find something that you really love and it's higher than your budget in one category, you can say, okay, well, we spent a little bit more on the dining room light fixture than we thought we were going to. So we need to take that out of like, maybe I need to pick a, a cheaper tile to put in, you know, in the bathroom or something. So it's a great way to kind of build on that is, you know, you have this big lump sum of money that you, you know, you have to work with, you have allowances in that, you know, if you spent more in one category, you can pull it out of another category. Um, but one of the things that you said, which I think is always really important, and I suggest to a lot of people is bring it home and see what it looks like in the light and the space that you have, because everything looks different in the artificial lighting of a showroom. You know, they might have some really spectacular light that's meant to bring out the colors in a particular item that they have. And then you bring it home and your natural light, because it's on the north side of your house, makes it look more blue. And everything else you've picked out is gray. And so all of a sudden, this one thing is just not the same color as everything else, you know, and take the time to really look at how those things look and feel in your space, especially when you're making color decisions. And yeah. that once you've picked one thing, when you, when you have a million decisions to make, pick one thing and build from that one thing. And so if it's a piece of tile that you really love, take that piece of tile with you when you pick out your wood flooring, take it with you when you pick out your vanity or your coloring. And so you have these things that you can then build from because people get overwhelmed thinking like, I got to make all these decisions. How am I supposed to know if these things go together? Well, if you just make one decision first yeah. and if you're going to do something that's a little bit funky, a little bit wild, that you're not sure you're going to love 13 years later, do it somewhere easy to replace. Like don't build a really funky shower tile scenario because shower tile is really hard to replace. You know, a back, a kitchen backsplash, 
not as hard to replace. You know, even floor tile is usually not as hard to replace. But if you tile in the crazy shower, then you're sort of stuck with that. And I think that's why you'll often go into bathrooms, especially if they haven't renovated them yet. All the ones where there were like the blues and the pinks and the yellows, which I think were from, from like the fifties yeah. and they're all the four by four square tiles and they're all still colored like that. They're just stirred with that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like toilets and things came in that avocado green color, uh, you know, so, so you're sort of stuck with with those things. So if you're going to make a funky choice and absolutely go for it, it's your space. A lot of times we encourage people like pick out a funky rug that gives you that vibe. Like let's not maybe do it in the, in the shower tile <laughs> area. So, exactly. um, and, and the, the question you said, you know, go out to the showrooms, take a look at the stuff that you like the question uh, or the thing that I tell people and I've had people tell my clients is get in the bathtub. If you're a tub person, Ooh, yeah. sit in the tub in the showroom. Most of them will allow you to do this. Like some of the better showrooms, so like FW Web and, and stuff. Um, obviously, if you go to Lowe's or Home Depot, don't climb in the bathtub. That's probably not uh, <laughs> that's probably not okay. But if you go to some of the bigger plumbing showrooms, they'll allow you to get in the bathtub because things that look cool are not always comfortable. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Is there any other parting wisdom that came into play uh, probably all the way back to the first project that we did that said, we liked this house enough to stay here and renovate it versus moving. Like what was a deciding factor for you on doing some of that? Yeah. Um, I think part of it is seeing the potential you know, um, the, the amount of land that we have, um, just that the location makes a big, big, big difference. Um, those all come into play. Your, your neighbors, obviously having a really good neighborhood, um, makes you want to stay longer. And, um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny because it, it's also the timing, right? So, um, when you know that you're going to make that commitment and, um, you just, for whatever reason, right? So you might be um, in a job that you love and, and want to stay in that job. Um, all of those things play in and, and have that factor to it. And, and you have to think too, right? How much stress do you want to take on? Doing a new build or, or moving um, to a, a new house. Sometimes it, they say the grass is always greener on the other side, right? When you live in your house, you know what works and what doesn't work and you can change it. When you're moving to a new house, it's going to take time to, to understand those little quirks and, and nuances. And there really isn't a house out there that's ever going to be perfect. It's just a matter of um, comfort level and, and how much you want to spend and, and invest back into that house. And, and so it's, it's kind of balancing those things. If it's something that really doesn't work for you, you know, you, you bought a, a very small house with two bedrooms and now you got five kids, totally makes sense. You need, you need a bigger house, right? Um, but for us, you know, we knew what the size of our family um, was. And, and so it just made sense for us to, to, to stick with it. Um, and, and we also knew that there wasn't going to be a better house that, that really um, 
shared our style, right? You know, so the, the post and beam is relatively unique. We didn't necessarily want just a cookie cutter. Um, you know, we, they kind of went through a period where a lot of the builders were just kind of doing these hurry up, get it done. Same, same, you know, let's build 20 of these same things. And, and the character gets a little bit lost. And so having an, an older house is sometimes nice because you have a bit more character on the flip side, there's a bit more of an investment to make it exactly how you want it. Yeah. And I think the last question that I'll ask you, um, did you live in your renovation during construction and would you recommend that to other people? Uh, funny enough, yes and no. We lived through part of, so we, we lived through the first one and then, you know, obviously we learned in the second one um, because we were uh, gutting it and did not have a kitchen. We ended up, um, you know, especially for the demolition part, getting uh, an Airbnb for six weeks. And, and I think that really helped when you, we have dogs, uh, one of them's a bit skittish, wasn't gonna do well with the demolition. Um, and then when you think about, you know, we would have been living upstairs, right? So first floor, we would have been living the second floor, just the up and down um, movement, you know, are the dogs gonna step on, on nails? You know, how are they, the amount of time that the contractors would have had to keep the place clean in order for us to, to be there is, is, was what we felt was money not well spent, right? So we just got out of their hair, you know, let them come in early, leave late, you know, get the the demolition done and then uh, we did start moving back in while they were building it back up um and that seemed to work really well for us obviously you know when it's a a long renovation it's it's hard to uh, fund not only the renovation but also a, a second living space so um trying to find that nice balance and i thought that the six weeks was a a good good time frame so that's great advice. People ask me that all the time. Can I live here during the construction? And I'm like, well, it depends. And you know, some, some of that depends on what, whether or not the town will allow you to do it. Um, some of it depends on your level of cleanliness, because if you're living in it while they're doing demolition or whether they're doing redoing the sheetrock and sanding, there will be sheetrock dust in literally everything. It doesn't matter how good uh, you are at cleaning and some people can handle that and some people can't. And like you said, you know, living upstairs with dogs and your family and then trying to cook on a hot plate when you don't have a kitchen or, you know, there are some logistical challenges to living in a space um, that just don't make sense. You know, we've done additions where we don't cut through the wall until the very end. And that works great. And a lot of people, um, I've had another client who lived in their living room. Um, they were planning to move out and they had plans to move out and then it fell through at the very last minute. So they lived in their living room for, <laughs> okay. I think six weeks, um, which was very interesting. You show up and you go in the living room and there's like a refrigerator and a hot plate in the living room. And you're like, what happened here? And they're like, well, <laughs> so, so sometimes in some scenarios when you're doing a renovation project that does happen, but it's not the most ideal situation. So anyway, thank you for joining me today and talking a little bit more about your projects and what it was like to be the homeowner and keep things on track. Um, other homeowners always ask questions, especially if they've never done a build or renovation before about what to expect. So I appreciate your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to the E3 podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying these episodes as much as I have. So thank you to all the guests that have been on. If you're enjoying the podcast, like and share on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or leave me a comment on the website. 
And if there's somebody you'd like to hear from or you'd like me to have on the podcast, send me an email, emily at matromarch.com. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you again next week.